0: Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel and it's hosted by Ben Blecker where he gets a bunch of writers and he asks them lots of questions and it's starting now so this will be the end of the theme. It's going to sneak up on you. It's all going to be easy. Don't worry. We're just going to sit and have a conversation. We're not even going to wear the headphones. It's going to feel like we're having coffee. Okay. Except there won't be any coffee because I've had too much coffee this morning. (laughs) Um... Have you, by the way? Sorry? By the way, nice to meet you. I know. So we'll see nice where we jump you. in. You. Like I okay. said, I edit. Um, have you been pals with Casey since the Letterman days?
1: No, oh, okay. I predate her.
0: Oh, okay. So you, get, you didn't overlap there.
1: No. How do we,
0: you guys know each other?
1: Fi- Facebook. Are you How do I know anyone? You?
0: That's ridiculous. How did I know
1: anyone before Facebook?
0: I had just assumed you guys worked together, if not there, somewhere, because it feels yeah. like you are a similar type of funny.
1: I've never met her. That's nuts. I know
0: she's great. <laughs> I stop yeah. messing around. You should meet her. <laughs> I, I feel like I this, this whole, whole thing is a lie now.
1: No, I, <laughs> I have this long list of um, people who um, I adore who I've never met.
0: <laughs> and oh, that's Joe, oh, I think we all do. <laughs> Wait, well, who but not else in is a on the...
1: way? I mean, <laughs> no,
0: but you're like, oh, that person. I love what they're doing. I respect what they're doing. Yes. If I got to have a coffee with that person, I'd be thrilled. Yeah. You know. Uh, who and is this on that list? if i
1: bumped into them uh i you know would have no knowledge i um you know just uh, those facebook types that you know journalists and and former mm-hmm. uh you know people who have passed through the same uh paths sure. that i have uh but at different times i mean one of the things is You know, when you're in a writer's room, you get to know nine people very, very well, but you don't necessarily know writers on other shows.
0: Yes. Oh, that was part of the impetus for starting this podcast, is, like, I knew enough writers that I could fill the time, but there were a bunch that I really wanted to sit down and talk to, because I liked what they were doing.
1: That's why we strike every 20 years, so we can meet (laughs) other writers.
0: (laughs) Walk the line, have a donut. We
1: could just go to Writers Guild meetings?
0: No. Oh, but, God. Uh, that seems oh, terrible. God.
1: <laughs> There's, that's not dramatic <laughs> enough. You know? We
0: oh, need the impetus.
1: Lord. Absolutely.
0: Um, all right. Why don't you say some nice things about me, and then I'll say some nice things about you.
1: Well, that's easy. Because <laughs> this whole thing started um, because I am such a fan of Thrilling Adventure Hour, especially Beyond Belief, which I, I mean, I will park, pull over and park on the street so I can just listen and enjoy it and um, you are so kind, thank you and it's become, I listen with my 16 year old son that's awesome and you know we, we, the other day he wanted me to do something and I shouted at him uh, sorry, I'm being resolute <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're just it's, it's oh delightful God. So thank
0: you. you, well I think we're done here yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, come check out the show. We're traveling all over the country.
1: But what cracks me up is it's just radio. Yeah. So well, we listen,
0: come around. We like to think of ourselves as show creators, but...
1: No, but well, in the same way that, that radio yeah. created shows and... Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's,
0: it's so doable and, like, all we're doing is writing comedy and putting it on its feet and, you know, paying homage to the, the yeah. old styles. Just I through love, genre, really. I
1: love the genie episode. I will say my pedantic 16-year-old <laughs> son...
0: Oh, jeez.
1: ...is very concerned that they wish for endless liquor... And then in later episodes, they run out.
0: You tell him. Uh, Yes. So there's a spinoff of this podcast that is about comic books where I first heard the phrase selective continuity.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: And it is certainly something to which I subscribe because we can't be beholden to, you know, the rules that are thrown, thrown out there as a joke. Um, That said, clearly we should address that.
1: (laughs) You should. I think it would kind of be fun. Also, liquor is the great story generator.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I think that goes for all writing. Liquor (laughs) is the great story generator.
1: Well, no continuity (laughs) makes me think I've always, you know, there's that um, person on the set that keeps track of that. And I always thought, wouldn't it be great to have someone in my life who did continuities so they could, like, <gasps> stand next to me at parties and go, you told that story before. Right. And,
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> but I could use that. <laughs> I like that
0: idea. Listen, I'd watch that show.
1: <laughs> it's not a show. It's my life. Doesn't
0: matter. I'd watch that show.
1: <laughs> you wore that last year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, can we talk for a minute? Because I only saw this this morning. Uh, you are the co-author of Lean In. I am. That's crazy. How did that even happen? For people who don't know what Lean In is, please tell them.
1: Well, uh, Sheryl Sandberg, who is the COO of Facebook, um, began speaking out about being a woman in the workplace. Uh, She gave this amazing TED Talk in 2010 Mm -hmm. called uh, Why There Aren't More Women Leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, And she has... You know, it's had over four and a half million views, and, and she's become very outspoken. And at a certain point, she um, needed someone to help with speeches. And through, I mean, I, the joke is I met her through
0: Facebook. Oh, my God. I made money
1: <laughs> off of Facebook.
0: You're the only one. Well,
1: the, no, social <laughs> media, right? The whole point you get laid or you get paid. <gasps> I got paid, still waiting I'm for doing the other that one. Wrong. <laughs> um, so, so she and I, I um, worked with her. I helped her on the speech she gave at the Naval Academy, mm-hmm. um, and it was the first time she used the phrase "lean in." And then she gave this Barnard speech, mm-hmm. uh, and I helped with that. And the book deal came out of that. And it was. She called me up and she said, "You know, Nell, I'm I'm not going to do this without without you." And I said, you know, Cheryl, I, I've never written a book before, and she went, neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> and so we we leaned in, and uh, <laughs> and go. anyway, so now it's become uh, it's sold over two million copies. It's been translated into forty languages, oh my gosh. and you know, we s- jump started the discussion about gender, and s- specifically in the workplace, yes. but broadening out
0: but and it feels like i mean this is a touchstone for a generation now and and in fact several generations but it it really i mean as you jumpstart of the conversation is putting it mildly (laughs) it really is i mean i'm not aware of anything in the world and the fact that i know about (laughs) this and like my wife read it and you know has had to deal with these things like that's kind of huge uh Tell me about how the actual writing process went. What was the collaboration like?
1: Oh well, we, um, it, it was it was uh, completely collaborative, very mm-hmm. iterative, you know. And it's Cheryl's book; it's her mm-hmm. experiences and um, and her
0: philosophies, certainly.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we obviously. Um, uh, Overlap a great deal, although mm-hmm. not completely. And and um, but it was uh, we wrote it mostly in email, just sending it no back and forth. No. Well, you know she has a big job; she was sure, <laughs> taking the company busy. public, and <laughs> she would do it on weekends and vacations. And you know I think we're, we were only in the same room together a handful of That's times.
0: Hard. Well, and it's it's not difficult to collaborate that way, yeah. especially now. Um, if you're getting ideas down, and, and what did you see as your role in this collaboration?
1: Um. Well, she, you know, she <laughs> uh, she's a chief operating officer, and and while I think she's an extraordinary writer, I mean, she's really good. And just watch the TED talk; she did that mm-hmm. all by herself. Um, You know that's the the craft and the time that goes into, you know, Um, making every sentence perfect is uh,
0: crafting a book is very different from throwing down your ideas. Yeah, even no matter how well, you know, your ideas are.
1: Funny story, which brings it back to Hollywood writing is. So I took off. I was on Warehouse 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I was co-EP, and I loved that show. It was mystery, it was comedy, mm-hmm. and it was sci-fi, which are my three favorite favorite things. Um, uh, which is why I love Beyond Belief. <laughs> <laughs> um, and
0: definitely and, keep selling that. <laughs> was, um,
1: so we um, the book deal came about, and we were it was going to work out perfectly. Or you know, there there were 13 episodes, and then. They added extra episodes. And so I ended up um, leaving the show, taking eight months to write this book. And then, you know, there are another few months to edit. Mm-hmm. When I finally, the next Christmas, you know, was ready to jump back into TV, I called up my agent and said, you know, I want to get back in. And she said, you're going to need to write a spec.
0: <laughs> what? I
1: thought, wait, I've been doing this 25 years. I take eight months off and they forgot God about me, like I still had episodes with my name on them <laughs> that right. were hadn't aired yet, and yet suddenly. But that's how fast.
0: That's bizarre. The
1: business moves. That's how wow. much you have to um, throw yourself. Into it and be, you know, be yeah. part of... it has of, to be
0: your full-time job and life in many ways.
1: Yeah, be part of the community. Yeah.
0: Um, Interesting. Yeah. So did you write a spec?
1: I did. Did okay, you really? So this is, um, well, I was upset at first, and, and, and then I thought, well, you know, the day I can't write a spec is... That's true. ...is the day I'm probably done. And um, so, yeah, I did. I, I wrote two, actually. Did you
0: write originals? Or I did. I wrote a, a, okay. a single
1: camera half hour, mm-hmm. a, a funny mystery show. You must
0: have dashed that off. I like, did. Like, that kind of thing, in your experience, <laughs> you must have been like, don't worry, I got this, and writing something else with your other hand.
1: Yeah, well, I don't. I I am fast, and I really don't understand people who take mm-hmm. six months to write a draft of a half hour. Well, they're, it's unrealistic.
0: In, like, if, if you are a working television writer, you yeah. need to be able to turn around and... At most a week. Yeah. Um, So you wrote the half-hour comedy.
1: Well, and and then I wrote an hour-long sort of soap opera, because I had never done that, and that was fun. But but it did take me back, actually, to my very first experience in Hollywood, which is I was a um, journalist in New York City, and I worked... uh, I was the first staff writer hired at Spy Magazine. Yes, I
0: just read that too. That's yeah. crazy. It was fun. And I then bet.
1: Um, I jumped to Vanity Fair about a year later. They hired me away and they paid me actual money,
0: which
1: was <laughs> always very appreciative. What
0: kind of. Were you, I mean, you must have been right out of school when you got the spy job.
1: Well, I'd written. Um, yeah, I, and and I had written. My first professional writing job was I was a sports writer for the Boston Globe. I didn't know that. Yeah, when I was a senior in college, I got hired by them. And I wrote about it for Grantland, if, okay. you're nice. inter- if anyone's interested. Um, and it actually was really great preparation for being in that boys club. Mm-hmm. Um it was work- <laughs> working in the sports room. And, uh, and then I moved to New York, and I worked for various freelance uh magazines and then uh, spy came along and you know i was fortunate to be at the right place at the right time um and then one day uh i i was at vanity fair and i bumped into an old editor actually from spy catching up and she said to me um uh at the very end of the conversation, she said, Nell, I don't mean this as an insult, but I think you could write for television.
0: <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and this was what, like... Eighty-seven? Mid- yeah.
1: Eighty-six, eighty-seven? Back
0: when that was still an
1: insult. <laughs> well, it's still.
0: <laughs> Come on. We have Breaking Bad now. We have Justified... There is no shame in writing for television. No, Movies. not at all. Sure.
1: <laughs> and, but, but it really, I had never thought about it. It really, mm-hmm. truly had not occurred to me.
0: Really? Were you a TV fan? Were you, did you yeah. watch TV? Oh, sure. Okay.
1: No, I grew up on, you know, Mary Tyler Moore and the Bob Newhart
0: show. and. Um, but did you have, even as a writer yourself, as a journalist, like, did you have, did the thing click where you said someone is writing these shows? Yes. Okay. So yes. you knew this was a feasible Oh, wait, when I was younger?
1: Things? No, not until that moment on oh, the sidewalk. That's
0: what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That's really interesting. No,
1: I was not one of those, like, uh, like uh, you know, James L. Brooks fan mm-hmm. when I was 13 years old. Sure. You know, I was 33 when <laughs> I really became one. That's
0: really interesting.
1: So um, I love this one show. It's Gary Shandling's show.
0: Sure, of course.
1: And it, was, it broke the fourth wall. It was totally my sense of humor. And I did have um, a connection through the Harvard Lampoon. I wasn't on the Lampoon. I was on the Crimson. But I knew someone on the Lampoon who knew Mike Reese and Al Jean. Mm-hmm. So I sit down. I hear you have to write a spec script. I write an It's Gary
0: Shandling show. How did you even know... What that looks like, like there was no internet at the time. You couldn't go online and find a script.
1: Well, I must have. I again, I do think it's a the, and I'll go through what I think how you get in the business. Um, And it did help to know someone. And I also, I got there was an agent interested in me off my spy magazine articles. Mm -hmm. So I think I probably got a sample script from that agent. That makes sense. Um. So I write the script, I send it to the show, and they bought it.
0: That's ridiculous. which <laughs> How <was dare> you <laughs>
1: Truly ridiculous, And I was like, well, this is easy." and um I flew to l a to have a story meeting with the with the group and um and that's where I met Mike and Al, who mm-hmm. you know Al Jean, who is the um incredible showrunner at The Simpsons, yeah. and Mike is just you know I think. If there was a Guinness Book of World Record joke writer, you know he'd be uh, in there. These
0: are these are two guys who helped form what we know as comedy today. Kind of, I mean, they yeah. they really are part yeah. of the the pantheon from like for contemporary comedy.
1: Yeah, and just and lovely guys. So, um, I was hanging out with them. I, I hadn't met them before, but they gave me um, three pieces of advice. And the first one was um, never be afraid to write on spec. Hmm. Uh, And so, you know, to bring it back. So then when I heard, you know, you need to write one, it's like, and I think that's amazing advice. It really is. um, The second piece of advice was never ask your friends for a job. And the the reasoning is if they're your friends, they'll know you're out of work Mm -hmm. and need a job. And if you have one and want to offer it to them, (laughs) you will.
0: That's interesting. So...
1: um, and then the third piece of advice, um, I can't remember because it was a really long time ago.
0: <laughs> was it to remember everything? I don't know. I really was it to write don't. things down?
1: I, I lost that part of the story somewhere <laughs> in the last ten years. May I suggest?
0: I'm just going to. I'm going to give you a few notes. <laughs> Next time you tell that story, yeah, make it two pieces of advice.
1: <laughs> Try to be honest.
0: Here. <laughs> no, we did that. We did that an hour ago with uh, the girls writers. We yeah. do comedy. Yeah. We don't need honesty. Um <laughs> let me ask you let me just bring it back to um lean in for a minute as, as okay. it relates to your own personal story um because you after this entry into Hollywood yes uh you were in some comedy rooms in the 80s and 90s I guess late yeah. 80s and mostly through the 90s um when and it I understand it is still an issue but It could not have been easy to be a woman in a comedy room. I imagine there were rooms where you were the only woman in a comedy room.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, the first, certainly the first four years, I Mm -hmm. went from Wilton North Report, New Heart, Wilton North Report, Coach, Letterman. Mm -hmm.
0: But yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of specifically the sitcoms that you were on for some time, like New Heart and Coach, the ones we know, too. Yeah. Um, Which, like, great shows and, like, when you look at sitcoms, these were masters of the form, um, and and
1: and male voices, right? I absolutely. mean, that's the thing. And that's, is, what I'm,
0: that's what I'm getting at.
1: Yeah. That. Um, what are you getting at?
0: <laughs> what What was it to be a woman in a sitcom room in the '90s? There were not a ton of you around. Well,
1: you know, to paraphrase Donald Rumsfeld. You go to work with the genitals you have, not the genitals you want. Sure. <laughs> and um you know like everyone else, I don't I didn't see myself as a female writer. I saw mm-hmm. myself as a writer. The world saw me differently and it's why I started speaking up later in my career, but um I I guess my sensibility was I, mean, I grew up on Monty Python and uh Woody Allen, and the reason I wanted to go into the the first time I thought about going into comedy and maybe doing stand up, I don't know, hmm. um, was seeing Real Life, Albert Brooks's sure. movie, and that uh, that was a game changer. Like that, you know, flicked the switch in my brain mm-hmm. because before that, you know, I love the Marx Brothers and Woody Allen, and they made me laugh, but they were always winking at the camera. Hmm. And it wasn't really grounded in reality, yeah. and then I saw real life, and he was doing true character comedy, Absolutely. where you believed he was the guy, and you know, when the wife says, you know, I just want to be alone, and he says, I understand, can I come with you? <laughs> and I really thought that was the funniest thing I'd mm-hmm. ever heard. In well, my it's life.
0: again. It's so honest, and it comes from the character, and it's so in the moment of the scene. You're you're right. It's not the Marx Brothers, right? So though the Marx Brothers could deliver that line, yes, you know, like Groucho could say that, and it would still work. It's still a funny line. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So he and like I never thought. Oh, I could write a Woody Allen movie, but mm-hmm. I watched that, and not that I could, you know. And and I thought I,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I understand. That's the kind of
0: comedy I can do.
1: And can I say so? I've gotten to know Albert over the past years, and he um, is truly the most extraordinary uh, mind, comedic mind. I of av- uh, all my heroes, he's the one who just amazes me the most. And um, where it comes back to being woman is a woman is. Um, did you know he wrote a lot of his films with Monica Johnson?
0: I did not know that he
1: wrote Real Life. He wrote Modern Romance. He wrote Lost yeah. in America. In fact, Julie Haggerty's character mm-hmm. with the gambling is kind, was kind of Monica, <laughs> and um, and she's great because in that movie, a woman is allowed to be flawed, mm-hmm. and that usually in most comedies, you know, she's the grown up right. and especially and the guy. yeah,
0: most male comedies, yeah,
1: um and you know Albert really welcomed that female voice in the process. I mean, I don't think anyone doubts that it's his vision mm-hmm. and he's the star and the director and I th- I think he wrote Defending Your Life by himself. So he was capable, but he invited that hmm. uh voice. He wanted to get it right. So um you know, I couldn't admire him more and it's very it's so much fun that he sort of started this whole journey and now <laughs>
0: That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Um, let's talk about uh, New Heart for a moment.
1: New Heart!
0: That's, that's the reaction I want to hear. Yeah. Uh, how, for how long were you on the show?
1: I was. It was my first uh, sitcom job. That's I was hired I as a story editor on the very last season. Um, and.
0: Oh, that's right. You mentioned that. Yeah. Um, it, was it was the a final season. season.
1: And it came after... Um, the guy running the show was a man named Bob Benditson, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about Bob for a second, mm-hmm. because he's hilarious and he's one of these, you know, the TV's full of these people who you've never heard of, who have entertained you your entire life. Yeah. So Bob Benditson, um, he wrote the final episode, he went on to um, run Home Improvement, uh, he worked with me again on on Coach, mm-hmm. and He's just an extraordinarily funny, kind of low-key, super professional guy. So he had read my Gary Shandling show. I think he knew Mike and Al, and they said, you should read this. I was living in New York, and he was flying to Italy, and he said, well, if you come to the airport, um, I'll meet with you.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's great.
1: (laughs) Um, So we met, and he remembers... um, seeing me preparing for the meeting, because he walked by, and he said I was, like, um, hyperventilating and biting my fingernails, and and he... I've
0: known you for 10 minutes. I completely (laughs) believe the story. (laughs)
1: Um, And he hired me, so I moved to, came to L.A., rented a car, didn't think it was gonna last. Um, And, yeah, it, it was kind of the, so that was my introduction. Into sitcoms. Yeah. I got to see Bob Newhart would do the warm-up before oh, um, every fun. show.
0: Was this your first writer's room as well?
1: Had I oh god it gets them so confused. No, I'd done Wilton North report.
0: Okay. And that, that had a traditional room. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so you you knew how the room worked. You I knew how to I think I have to check on TV. Be- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have it right here. <laughs> no. Um, no, no. no. Yes, that would be before. Okay. Uh, and Smothers Brothers, which was crazy. That was. That must have been unbelievable. Because not let's, only was let's talk
1: about that not only was I the only female, but I was thirty years younger. Yeah, thirty years, twenty years younger. And than... that was
0: a variety show, right?
1: It was. Yeah. I mean, how many people get to work for? That's like
0: one of the last ones. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. Uh, what, what were you actually writing on that show? I mean, there are sketches, right?
1: Well, that let me tell doing? you, too. So it was 1988. I'm not that old. The show. So the Smothers right. Brothers it was, was on show. in 68. <laughs> in 88, they did a 20th anniversary special
0: and they brought that. back. That's how I first learned about the Smothers they, Brothers. Uh, yeah. That special.
1: Steve Martin mm-hmm. and, you know, all their, all their original. George writers. Carlin, you know? all their old friends and writers. Martin Mull yeah. and um, Bob Einstein, who's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they. I, my my agent had sent them... Well, this is interesting. I So I had... Um, my dream was to write for Letterman. Mm-hmm. And I kept writing submissions to Letterman. Sure. And sending them... There was no real process back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but my agent sent my Letterman packet to the producer of the Smothers Brothers. That's great. And I got hired off my Letterman packet. Sure. But anyway, so I get a call then that the... Um, Again, I'm in New York, that, that the Smothers Brothers producer, Ernie Chambers, wanted to meet with me. And uh, my agent said, um, are you a fan? And I said, oh, yeah. And he said, great. You'll meet him tomorrow at noon. I had a run to the Museum of Broadcasting. Oh I had never seen the Smothers Brothers <laughs> in my life. Because I was still too young and 68. Sure, and um, I was so relieved when I was watching them. They were really funny. Yeah. Really funny.
0: That's so funny. Um,
1: so I, I, you know, watched a bunch of episodes, and we met, and then I moved out, um, and, you know, Tommy Smothers became a huge mentor
0: That's of mine. That's great. That's nice to hear.
1: Yeah, he was, he was really, truly remarkable. Like, he would say things. Martin Mull came on to do um, a monologue, and Tom would say to me, uh, now, why don't you go help Martin? And I was young enough. I was like, yes, I will go help him. Right. what Tommy was doing is like go learn go watch (laughs) go see how he does it (laughs) sure
0: and that must have been an enormous learning curve for you like you just must have learned everything about comedy
1: uh, about a certain type of comedy and I did they did um, Tom and Dick did perform a sketch that I wrote for them and that was that's unbelievable yeah that was really great wow Um, and we remained friends uh, yeah yeah, Tom's Facebook friends one, or actual friends? No, actual, like, <laughs> go up to the ranch in Northern California friends, which is kind of the best friend yeah, to have. kind of amazing.
0: <laughs> Do you want to go right now? <laughs> um, all right, so you had done that, so, and you'd worked, you've been on set at this point, you've worked with actors, you've worked with other writers, you know the collaborative medium. Yeah. Um, and, but then you find yourself in a weekly show, A uh, New Heart. Right. Um, with someone who clearly thinks you are capable yeah, uh, trusts you on this show did you uh, what was the first script you wrote for them do you remember
1: oh no or do you remember the process
0: of <laughs> actually doing Actually, I remember when I wrote for, for New Huckard
1: Father Goose where uh-huh. he writes a kids book um, and it was called Giddy Goose And Bob Newhart reading this book, and I and I, I got to keep the prop, and Uh the words was were basically, if I can remember, here comes giddy goose, giddy 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 goose, giddy giddy goose.
0: (laughs) But it was Newhart. That was most of the episode. It took him (laughs) twenty-two minutes. That was
1: the first act, right?
0: (laughs) The show writes itself. He
1: blinks funny.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Like, how absolutely. do you blink funny? How yeah. do you make someone laugh with a blink?
0: Was that stuff, I mean, he, he would do these looks, these things that only Newhart could do. Is it stuff that in the last season of the show, the writers could yeah, not write into it, you know? Like, just kind of say, we know he's going to deliver this in this way. We don't have to sell this. We don't have to bend over backwards to make this a moment.
1: Yeah, and, and now, by the way, I, um, I was very uh, shy at the time, I, I, and I, you know, would go to all the table reads, but, you know, actually, Cheryl and Lean Min talks about sitting at the table. Mm-hmm. I would not always sit at the table. I would sometimes sit on the side
0: because, you right. know, and... Well, which is also a political thing of a writer's room. Like, I mean, are you talking about when it's your episode or I guess I would say when table. it was
1: my way. If someone invited me to sit at yeah. the table, I mean, now it's a you're tough to thing to here. learn
0: how to do for a young writer, no matter who you are. Yeah, you know, about where where's your place at the table? Quite literally. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So,
1: um, and we get to the very last day of the last episode, and up until this point, I've actually no one's. It's the last year of the show. No one's made a point of introducing me to the star (laughs) i've never had really any interactions uh personally with mr newhart and i was walking over because they um had set up this set from the old bob newhart show the bedroom set and i wanted to go see it and just as i opened the door to the stage there was bob newhart and we were just face to face and he went hi nell (laughs) <laughs> and as he walked past, I got to shout back at him, hi, Bob.
0: <laughs> oh, come on. I know. What more do you it want? Was it, that
1: was it. I sh-
0: That's adorable. I should have
1: quit then. <laughs> no, but then, um, so, and going to see that set was like walking through the looking oh, glass. That's yeah. wild. So that was really do fun. You,
0: do you remember the conversations that went on in the room around that finale?
1: There were none. They kept really? it secret. Yeah. So who,
0: where, who did it come from?
1: Well, there's, there's a question about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan O'Shannon, who had been a writer on the show the year before, who now works on Modern Family, mm-hmm. hilarious, had come up with the ideas in the writer's room. Um, Bob's wife, Ginny, also apparently came up with the idea. Funny. But you, and you can, I think there's such a thing as parallel. Of oh, course. It, called? And it happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but from the writer's standpoint, mm-hmm. and, and Bob Benditson wrote it with the, the other executive producers, Mark and Mark, mm-hmm. and they um, they kept it secret till the very day, and then they had oh, a bill to build this ad, and we were in on it. Oh, that's
0: neat. So even yeah. you guys didn't know.
1: Didn't know. Really I have funny. one joke in that final episode. Though, really? At the very top of the episode, about a minute in, they're discussing um, what the official fish... Of Vermont should be. And someone mentions that the um, official, Vermont's official bird is the flying squirrel. (laughs) And that was my joke. That's a great joke.
0: That's a really great joke. Um, Were those, were the episodes, were the scripts uh, punched up by the room? Like was it that kind of traditional room where the the whole gang jumps in on the existing bones of a script? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Was that a fun process for you? Yes, like that. That seems like it was a killer room, anyway.
1: Not well. The, the Murphy Brown was by far my oh, sure favorite. Just there's, there's this. Uh, actually, Greg Daniels got obsessed with this book called Co. This is so many years ago. Co-competition, mm-hmm. um, which is <laughs> a co- some business theory yeah. of you you combine cooperation with competition. Yeah. Oh, it
0: sounds like a business book. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> um. And and Murphy Brown was the best example <laughs> of, we all wanted to top each other. It was a, it just hilarious. Everyone went on to run their own shows. Yeah. Deanna and Eileen, who run The Middle, Rob Bragan who's got a show on TNT, um, Mike Saltzman, Bill Diamond, Corby yeah. Siamis, who is truly one of the funniest people I've ever worked with, and, and the heart and soul of Murphy Brown, <laughs> and, um, and Stephen Gary, who were sure. the co-showrunners co-show- with Corby. And um, the actors were professional. And that room was really felt like everyone was um, working on a common mission. That mm. sometimes you'll be in a room where someone's mission is to get their jokes in. Mm-hmm. As opposed to making the mission to make the
0: show as funny as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Guess which I prefer.
0: <laughs> well, and again, I think that's an important lesson, right? When yep. you are, especially a young writer, on a show, it's not it's not about your voice. It's about doing the best thing for the show. Right. Yeah. Um, what were? I mean, it sounds like an amazing room. It sounds like it could have been a very stressful room on Murphy Brown. <laughs> it was. Uh huh. Why so?
1: It was a, It was performing at a high level and. I came on the season after she had given birth to the mm-hmm. Avery, and so there was a lot of media attention on the show. Not oh, that's all
0: right. positive. Oh, my God. I don't think we've ever talked about this on this show. I mean, yeah. Murphy Brown is, I think, still underrated. You know, it was very popular at the time, but when people talk about sitcoms today, well,
1: it didn't syndicate well because it was so topical. I you guess know, so. Those yeah, Bob Dole jokes don't play quite.
0: That's much. true. But <laughs> I, like, I was a teenager watching it, and again, no idea what's going on in the world. Um, but that show, I loved that show because yeah. the characters were so real and sharp and funny. I mean, there's something so much fun about the smartest people in the room making the best jokes, which is... I'm talking about the writers and the characters. And the characters,
1: um, yeah.
0: but the And who are also so dumb at their own lives. <laughs> These yeah. characters, you know? Like, they, they made mistakes, and that's where your stories come from. Um, what were some of the pleasures of that show for you? And then I do want to oh, talk I'll about you, how no. it was difficult.
1: Yeah. Um, the two episodes. One I wrote called The Fifth Anchor had Wally Shawn as a guest star. Oh gosh, great. And um, the idea was they're, they're doing a 20th anniversary special. It was 60 Minutes was doing a big anniversary special, so we thought um, FYI, which was a mm-hmm. fictional show, should do one too. And then it came out that there used to be a fifth anchor who I was only on the first this. three episodes and they decide to bring him back and he's as annoying as he ever was, it's only Sean and he keeps saying, that's all I know. <laughs> um, and finally, and he's always wondering like, why didn't, why did I get fired? I'll, yeah, I don't understand. And then it turns out it was Murphy <laughs> who got him fired. And she's trying to, she, she's racked with guilt and she's trying to make it up to him and then ends up just, you know, assailing him on air, mm-hmm. um, but he, Wally, Sean, and Candace were so delightful, and um, can I brag? No, I'll, I'll brag. Okay. Uh, Candace came up to me at one point and said, y- you should know, Wally told me he couldn't have written this character better himself.
0: Uh, that's pretty unbelievable. So that was... That no, was, I'm saying I don't believe him.
1: I don't sorry. believe him. <laughs> sorry. No. And that was, I mean, <laughs> you know, so cool. it's the was writer's this, room, but...
0: Well, this was, I was going to ask you this, was, I mean, that's a fantastic plot. Um and and I remember oh, the other I, story too. I do remember that vividly but like was it was the did the story come out of the room obviously you created this character in the writing of the script but like how much was broken in the room how much was
1: Oh that that show was well it wasn't it wasn't like line for line broken and it mm-hmm. wasn't gang written I mean you yeah. you still had authorship that's great. But, you know, another art, uh, episode I like that I wrote with my um, friend Rob Bragan, uh, who's an extraordinary writer, was called Tip of the Silverberg, and it's Murphy takes miles shopping for a new suit and accidentally opens the uh, curtain to the dressing room and sees <laughs> his penis. <laughs> um, and that was based on a story that one of... Um, the showrunner Corby had had a kid and was breastfeeding, and one of the PAs opened the door and <laughs> caught a glimpse of her. And uh, so, oh
0: my god, that's so funny! Um, uh, and for how long were you on the show?
1: I was on that season, and then uh, Corby, Gary, Steve, and I all left. And then oh. I um, had a overall deal I can't I wrote another episode for them mm-hmm. the next season I'm just thinking of
0: like this yeah. was when sitcoms were doing and there are still a few we're doing 22-24 episodes a year yeah that's a lot of stories and this was what season four maybe
1: something mm, like that Six.
0: Oh wow that yeah. deep in like yeah. they've done a lot of stories already uh was it difficult generating those or the were the characters just Oh, it was so easier to do out? Sabrina. <laughs> well, we'll get to that.
1: <laughs> no, I don't I, you know, you get to dig deeper into characters. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's richer the deeper into But you know, it is interesting because I've worked on the end of series and yeah. the middle and the beginning. Um And there's uh, pleasures of all. (laughs) Sure. Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, And I'm thinking also... I actually
1: think early years are harder. They have to be. Yeah.
0: Right? You're discovering what the show is. Yeah. Which can be exciting, but...
1: uh, And do you know what that means, discovering what the show is?
0: Do you know what it means?
1: Well, (laughs) it doesn't just mean... uh, Creatively, it's discovering what your actors are best at, mm-hmm. and and that really moves your show in different directions.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, Sabrina, you were there from the very beginning. This is a show you created. Yes. Based on the uh, uh, comic, comic
1: book, books, which
0: again was not something widely done at the time.
1: <laughs> no, actually, like, there were a lot
0: more original shows on back then. Uh, so, were you approached? Did you pitch on this? How did how did it even come to be?
1: Well. Melissa Joan Hart uh, had optioned the comic book
0: when she and was twelve.
1: When she was twelve, no, she was twenty when we did Where's the show. Know? Yeah, and um, they had made a, a Showtime movie, which was oh, right. not funny. I mean, it's a, it's very sweet, but mm-hmm. um, and
0: it was like what TV movies used to be. <laughs> Yes. like they were just kind of disposable and enjoyable enough to be on in the background I feel like
1: that's right um, and then so they cut a trailer and they sold Sabrina on a concept and, oh, okay. and then they, they came to me um, mm-hmm. but but going back to the character thing what was interesting is the original pilot I wrote um, conceived so Sabrina's living with two aunts Hilda and Zelda and the original idea was that Zelda would be sweet and Hilda would be sarcastic. Um, and then we ended up hiring Beth Broderick to be Zelda and Caroline Ray, who I adore. Um, I just She's so funny. That made it sound like I don't adore Beth. I adore <laughs> Beth, too. Sure. But Caroline was just, as a stand-up, I always mm-hmm. really admired her. So... Um, and after the first table read, and, you know, I'm getting to know them during the week before of Wardrobe, and it and it becomes really clear that while Caroline is uh, very funny and can be sarcastic, she, she's really actually sweet and has this heart of gold hmm. and is very emotional. And Beth, while she can um, play sweet, is really a very practical person. And suddenly, you know... You need conflict for comedy, and and by the way, conflict is not like I hate you. Right. Well, I hate you. It's it's I want different things. Mm-hmm. So um, that night I went home, and instead of making it sweet and sarcastic, I changed it to uh, practical and emotional,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that was what they did better. And it kind of got me.
0: It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I feel like. That has much longer legs, too. I mean, you can live yeah. with practical and emotional for so much longer. There's depth to those. Uh, whereas, you know, snarky only goes right. so far.
1: And it was so much better than trying to
0: force them mm-hmm. to play these roles oh, than absolutely. to
1: <laughs> adjust the roles to
0: suit yeah. your actors. For sure. Um So let's talk about that. So did you run Sabrina? I did. And this was your first show running experience. It was. How did that go?
1: Well, I'm really proud. You know, we were, uh, I don't think it's ever had happened before that not only were women one, two, three on the call sheet, but we were one, two, three on the production side too. Wow. And, and there was no male executive producer, um, and we were 50, 50 in the room, uh, and you know, I loved it. It's mm-hmm. oh, I I just saw it too. Um, they're streaming the first season on Netflix. Okay. Oh, and it was, like, in the top ten or something.
0: Congratulations. And That's and it was really just, cool.
1: It was goofy, and we were making a show. Uh, you know, Nick Bakai was on mm-hmm. the show. Frank Conniff was on the yeah. show. We laughed.
0: There were some great comedy people uh, behind the scenes and in the show uh, that you guys got to play with.
1: Joel Hodgson was mm-hmm. our, our, our magic advisor. Mm-hmm. And, and Joel and I had been writing a lot together those days. And
0: um, how, did, how did that happen?
1: Mark Fite, uh had oh a party, God. and um, I never went to parties, but someone convinced me to go to this one, and I was <laughs> hiding in the kitchen uh, when Joel came in, because um, he was kind of hiding out, too. It was like Janine Garofalo was there. They were all doing shtick, and I was like, oh, I can't deal with this. <laughs> and this is funny, because Joel asked me what I did, and I said I worked on Coach, and he said, oh, that's set in Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota. Which is like a Hollywood... Absolutely. (laughs) The closest I've ever gotten to Minnesota.
0: Right. I worked on his show. But you know what? Also good for him for finding, like, here's how we can start a conversation.
1: But I remember feeling like, oh, yeah, we got that in common. It's nothing. (laughs) No. It's all
0: fake. That's really funny. Um,
1: But, you know, we became friends and we... um, Oh, he's... he's, uh, I, he always hates when I say this, so I probably shouldn't say it on a podcast. You should but I say it. should I say it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I love, <laughs> I love him more than any woman should love a guy she's not fucking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is the most Albert Brooks line I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely say that all the time.
1: <laughs> um, we just and and we our brains are really different. We come from entirely mm-hmm. different backgrounds. And, um, yeah, we, you know, we both really amused each other. And he's so visual. You know, he created the show, The Xbox. Do you know about... It was also called The TV Wheel.
0: I don't know this at all.
1: So one day I'm over, I'm just hanging out, and he said, you know, um, I think I thought of a new way to shoot a TV show. And he described building a giant, lazy Susan of a set, like, that was... Ten oh feet God. wide, and then you cut a hole in the middle, and you put the camera. Keep the camera stationary, uh-huh. and it kept saying, "Your television doesn't move, so why should the camera?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I don't I know do if that's t- sound logic, but <laughs> yeah, no,
1: not, but it's show logic. Right. And and then so you would, it would all be forced perspective. Mm-hmm. So the camera shoots this this. Section of of the wheel, the piece of pie, and then as you finish the sketch, it turns and you're in your next set. And he did solve a problem. Like SNL always had that issue of how do you end a sketch? Yeah. And this, you just start turning, and and characters would go like, "I'm not done. Come back!" And you would just be thrown into the next. So fun. And he made it one episode for HBO. Oh my god. Uh. And Judd Apatow helped write on it, mm-hmm. I helped write on it, uh, Paul Feig was on sure. it, Nick Bakai was on it, Morwenna Banks was on it, um, and it was, it was really delightful. But I remember that, like, you invented a new way yeah. to shoot a TV show. Like what a,
0: kind of mind can do that? Yeah. Uh, what do you think you brought to the table working with him? What do you think he found fun, uh, funny about working with you?
1: Uh well I I think I understand structure.
0: <laughs> I get it.
1: <laughs> um and you know he's got his voice which is which is delightful but um probably my greatest strength is my ability to um capture other people's voices mm-hmm. and it's why I can write for you know Newhart, Letterman...
0: And Warehouse.
1: And Warehouse. You know, it's... um, So I can kind of get into... Do a lot of voices. Um, That's cool. So um, I was better at grammar. And I remember once... I I usually did the typing, but Joel was was doing it that day. And um, the sentence was something like, uh, they're going to the store. And he typed it... T H E R E. And I said, well, Joel, that's the wrong there. And he changed it to T H E I R. And I said, No, Joel, it's <laughs> T H E Y Apostrophe And he went, Ah, oh, I totally forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. You know what? Listen, listener, you don't know, but we did a retake on that story. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> um I forget how we started talking about Joel. What were you guys working on together?
1: We um Providence
0: probably. No.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. Someone once asked me though, they said how you've written for the Simpsons and I said yes and you said and you've written were for you, Providence. Let me just
0: interrupt for one sec. Were you on staff on the Simpsons or no. did you just sell a freelance? I sold a
1: freelance. That's cool. Yeah. All right. And
0: um
1: No, they didn't have a female on staff till season 6.
0: Till season 26. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, oh, so, you know, and, and you can write for The Simpsons and Providence, and they were like, how can you write for the most sarcastic show on TV and the most earnest?
0: Providence is the most sarcastic, right?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> that's a thick layer subtext. of... Subtext. It's a thick it's layer of subtext. irony on that show <laughs> that people don't recognize. <laughs> I think The Simpsons is pretty earnest, but go ahead with your story.
1: No, that's, your, that's it. That's well, the what story. Your, What's
0: your response to that?
1: Well, it goes back to just being able to listen to voices and, and capture them. And that's why I don't buy when, when um, you know, late night hosts say, well, it's my voice, so we, we need to have white men <laughs> write it. It's a uh, You need a good to have writer. talented
0: writers write it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point. And it's, it's an art or a craft that is sort of lost these days when everybody's looking for the original spec or the original idea or whatever it is, that like, writing TV is emulating someone's voice yep. until you are running your own show. And then it's making clear your own voice. Um,
1: yeah, that's, that's perfectly said.
0: Yeah. I'm very good at this. How did you, uh, How did you translate that having written other people's voices to making Sabrina your own voice? Or is Sabrina your own voice?
1: Oh, very much so. I mean, it's... <laughs>
0: it's like insane the right there's
1: one episode you it, 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 there's a clip on tv uh on youtube of where raquel welch played her aunt vesta uh i think it was yeah called third aunt from the sun and um <laughs> they have a dance party it's insane like i watch it today and, and think, <laughs> how did it how did we get that on um yeah, no, we, we wrote, I wrote Sabrina to make myself laugh and, and to right. make what my 16 year old self. For example, we yeah. did one episode, like, I did want to be honest. And, you know, there's, oh, they always do those, um, especially teenage sitcoms where the, they mm-hmm. have messages and the moral is, like, you should always tell the truth. So we did an early episode called Bunt Tuesday where Sabrina wants to find out if Harvey likes her or not, so she brings truth sprinkles to their um, cooking class, and she's just going to put it on his cupcake or, or his bunk cake. But then the teacher takes sprinkles and puts it on all the bunk cakes. And so the whole episode... <laughs> I just want
0: Aristotle, our engineer, is over here laughing. Like, he watched this yesterday. Like, that is a classic. <laughs> anyway, continue. No, so I'm sorry. The,
1: no, the, um, so all the students are walking around telling each other exactly what they think, and the moral of the episode was the world would be a horrible place if people <laughs> told the truth all the time. That's great. Which I truly believe.
0: <laughs> but that's, that's really cool. I mean, like, that's, that's not the Boy Meets World, and, which even that was a quality yeah. show, but like, there were shows on at the same time that would not have taken that tack. Uh, um it's it 's kind of amazing you got to make it a personal show that was very much yeah. a standard network show in so many ways
1: right or sabrina the the guy she wants to go to the prom with doesn 't ask her for a date, so the ants use um go to the kitchen and take out a big uh can of mandate <laughs> and make her uh Brian Austin Green played the mandate. Hilarious. Adorable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, That show was on forever,
1: I want to say? No, not seven years. It was on ABC for four years and then the WB for three years. Yeah, seven years. That's
0: a long time.
1: Yeah. No, and it's... um, it's done well in syndication, yeah. and, and but it's
0: also a beloved show. Like that's a touchstone for a lot of young people now.
1: Lena Dunham told me I was the queen. <laughs> that made my day. <laughs> now there's that's a certain adorable. you know woman in her mid twenties who uh, mm-hmm. it's really amazing, and that um, that's fun. But then you know I jumped into directing from that too, yes. and that's part of what I loved about Sabrina was. Being on the set, standing next to, we had incredible directors, mm-hmm. um, including the amazing Gail Mancuso, who now is, oh, wow. you know, winning Emmys every year for Modern Family. And, uh, and that, you know, directing's writing in 3D. Well,
0: it, this, I wanted yeah. to ask you this. You know, what, what different button does it push for you?
1: It, it, um, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think it's a control thing. It's just having, seeing something in your mind and being mm. able to really try
0: mm-hmm.
1: to uh, rec- recreate
0: it. Yeah, you have a different tool to execute, uh, and I guess a more immediate tool, right? Yeah. Like, we, we do our scripts, we write our scripts the best that we can and hope that some of it <laughs> appears on screen. <laughs> exactly. So when you get to be that intermediary, I mean, you're still... Actors are not puppets. Actors bring things.
1: Oh, it's to not at all what you think. You yeah. think like I'll get to be the dictator, and it's the exact opposite. <laughs> you're everyone's coming to you with problems, and you need to um, be the center that finds the harmony.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: I've heard uh, you need to have an answer for everything, even if you're not sure. Yeah, you need to be sure about what answer you're giving. You may change it later but you need to have that answer are there is there stuff you've directed that you feel has executed in the way that you saw it in your head you know where everything has come together
1: oh well no because I mean everything never comes together because there's always considerations and and the truth is one of the things I had to learn was to take off the writer's hat and Hmm. accept what actors brought to it be uh, you know open yourself up to be surprised
0: Um, Which can be immensely satisfying. Yeah. I mean, and, they do bring so much to it.
1: Right. And I'm, it's so interesting, because I'm good at that with writing. You know, writing really is this act of discovery. Mm-hmm. And um, Barry Kemp, who is another wonderful mentor who created Newhart and Coach. I didn't work with him at Newhart, but then I, I worked with him hmm. for several seasons on Coach. And he always says that writing is not a cr- act of creation but an act of choice Hmm. and what he means is it's not like you sit down and and it just comes out of your fingertips all done it's like you know when you're at the optometrist and it's like is this better is this better (laughs) it's every line is a choice is this the best moment and you can go back and you can make different choices Mm -hmm. um but there's no right or wrong you're just you know building your your path
0: yeah that's a that's a great way to think about it uh and it, it there's something exciting about that it is you know it's it, it it makes it feel less like work and more like more like exploration
1: and but it's less scary too, because yeah. it's not like ah oh, i you know i i can't it it doesn't work, therefore I have to abandon it It's like you go back, retrace your steps, where did you go yeah. off the path and and make a different choice
0: yeah, that's interesting i mean we we do talk a lot about rewriting um But never quite in those terms. It's all rewriting. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean,
1: even the first draft is you're rewriting what was in your brain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's true. The attempt to translate it into words on a screen or on a page is a kind of rewriting. Do
1: you? So do you want me to give advice like to people starting out? And not really. I don't think anyone wants it. Yes, of course. (laughs) Um, because um, ask me how I got my start in the business. Ugh, which is really? Well, every panel I'm on asks me this.
0: So. I know. That's why so I don't my, ask. Okay.
1: This is my new answer. Here. Ask me.
0: No. <laughs> the young people out there want to know. <laughs> You've been wildly successful. You live in several mansions. Mm-hmm. How did you get your start
1: in the business? That's a terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, why? And and I, you just feel the oxygen leave the room. Um, <laughs> no, it is because the, the question is not how I got my start. Because mm-hmm. if you ask a thousand writers how, you'll get a thousand different answers. Listen,
0: we're on episode 200 of this podcast. We know that.
1: <laughs> okay. So the question is really why? And why did I get into this? Did I get my start is four things. Um, one is, I wrote.
0: Are you going to be able to remember all four?
1: Yes, I am. <laughs> um, you know, I wrote. And that's and you all have to write. You have to put words in, you know, uh, in, in the amusing combinations. Um, and you can do that. You can blog. You can tweet. You can write scripts. You just have mm-hmm. to write. The second one is... Um, you have to write a lot. And writing a lot is different from just writing because writing a lot means in the face of criticism, in the face of rejection, you keep writing. Mm-hmm. Um, the third thing is we, I think most people in the business uh, were willing to work on something that wasn't their first choice. Mm-hmm. And if, if you go in with a narrow target, I, I had never watched New Heart before I got hired on it. I remember... But you were missing out. I know, I know. And like, I remember um, I got this offer from Coach, and I, I hadn't watched it. I, I, it had only been on two seasons, mm-hmm. but, and I turned to this guy, Bob Benditson, on Newhart and said, is it a good show? And he said, oh, yeah, it's really funny. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> that was, um, you know, just throw yourself into whatever mm-hmm. opportunity yeah. presents itself and, and learn from it. And the fourth thing is um, you need – almost everyone knows someone in the business. You need to have some connection, Mm -hmm. and it can be tangential. I think Twitter has helped tremendously with allowing people who don't have uh, natural connections to make connections. Sure,
0: but I will say it has to be – it can't be calculated. You know, I think people yeah. see right through that. Uh, yeah, I think if you do find a natural connection with someone on social media, you can both feel that it becomes like I would hang out with this person and not I yeah. want something from this person because I want something from this person is a huge red flag. Right, you but
1: know. also a connection to you know, a um, an agent is sure. a great oh, thing, absolutely. and and. You know, often writers can't help other writers.
0: Yeah. And, and I think they want
1: to. Absolutely. I mean, find jobs. Like, yeah. unless you're in that position where you're actually hiring. Um, so the idea of, like, going to a writer and saying, help me, it's like, I, can't, I can barely help myself. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> but, and I, and I do think, though, that is the way that writers can help other writers, the ones who aren't can't say, come work for me. Right. And I think we do want to help each other, and, and often it is stuff like this, it's let me, let me tell you what I've learned, let me tell you what I've seen, or let me tell you what's wrong with this act, or whatever it is. You know, I think writers are more often than not willing to do that, because it can be a lonely medium, yeah. and it can be a highly collaborative medium, and I think most of us tend towards that, collab- that collaboration. Why we're not writing novels?
1: Exactly. I, I, it's I always say it's writing as a team sport, yeah. and for those of us who are not athletes, <laughs> which is most of us, <laughs> um, it, it, it's it is that joy of you know the the collective mm-hmm. is is better than you alone.
0: For sure. Um, let me let me ask about a couple of things. Okay. Because listen, you'll come back. We'll talk about okay. more stuff. I think we'll have a blast. But um, we've only gotten up to 1998. <laughs> So I just want to, I just want to ask you about a couple of things. Um, uh, Space Coast.
1: Oh yeah.
0: What What did you do for the show? They didn't have a staff, right?
1: I do Well, Matt Harrigan was down in Atlanta. Do yeah. people know about Space Coast? Do you? Yeah. Okay. Space so Coast, Coast
0: to Coast. People love that stuff.
1: It was brilliant and. That was back... Joel and I were doing a lot of writing together. We, By the way, like we wrote the third Honey, We Shrunk... Uh, I Shrunk uh, uh, the Kids movie, which was called Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not very good.
0: <laughs> well, it's a movie.
1: <laughs> um, uh, not our fault.
0: <laughs> it's, um, listen, it's a movie. It's understood. If it's if not our fault. If you watch that movie <laughs>
1: and think of Joel's voice delivering the lines, really you funny. will laugh. And... um. We did a big pass on George of the Jungle, and we love Space Ghost, so we called them and said, can we write an episode? Oh my God. And um, Matt said, sure. And we got a bunch of tapes. I think Matthew Sweet and Barbara Bach were our oh. two interviewees. And we um, wrote an episode that was kind of based on Amok Time. Are you a Star Trek fan? Oh, my God. So... That's someone where Spock has to go back to his um planet and mate. And but we did it with Zorak. Oh, no. And Zorak's gotta go back to his home planet and mate, and then he finds out because he's a praying mantis, what happens.
0: That's really funny.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> so then he's like he's trying to get out of it and um there's this whole underground uh movement. So um and I was really happy. When they came out with the DVD, they, did the extended, they put the extended version of this episode on it. So, so Joel and I write it, and they say, we need it Friday morning. So this is, these are the days of FedEx. You know, we finish the script yeah. Thursday. We print it out on our dot matrix <laughs> oh my God. printer, and we put it in the envelope, and we mail it. So we figure, we, you know, we're not going to hear on Friday. They're just getting it. We figured they'll read it over the weekend and we'll get notes. On Monday, Monday comes and goes. We don't hear from them. Tuesday comes and goes. Not a word. So Wednesday, um, I'm over at Jill's and I go, I'm I'm just going to call them. So I do that thing like, oh, we just wanted to make sure you received the package. (laughs) Right. And at least
0: back then you could do that. Now it's like, (laughs) did you get my email? I know that you did. (laughs) There's a
1: tracking (laughs) 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 website. I know you got it. Um, so I'm like, did you get it? And they're like, yeah. And we said, well, we, you know, we wanted to know when we might be getting notes. And they got quiet. And I said, what? What's wrong? And they go... Well, we taped it Friday afternoon. Oh my gosh! <laughs> we're like, no notes, nope, as written.
0: Yeah, we and have I, a few notes now.
1: No, but I turned to That's and It's like, crazy. and I said we should quit because it will never be better than this. <laughs> That's really cool. And it never was. Like we really should have.
0: That's so well, and, and it feels like a show like that. Like the the stakes were low for them. Right. People were watching, but it was still a cult show. Uh, they were outside of Hollywood. That's so funny. But, really there, cool.
1: but there are so many shows where you just go, does all the endless tinkering no. make a difference?
0: <laughs> what, when you were on Sabrina, did you get a lot of network, uh, I won't say interference, but a lot of network collaboration?
1: Uh, we had really uh, wonderful executives. This woman, um, Chris Sanagustin, was at Viacom. Now she's at Universal. Look, a note that makes a script better, I'm always happy to do. Yeah. Um, fresh eyes. You know, My favorite kind of notes are not like, um, change this, but they're reactive. Mm-hmm. Did you want me to like this character? Because I didn't. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to, she seems mean, change it. And Because maybe you wanted sure. her to be mean yeah. and people to dislike her. But if someone says, you know, I, I really, I didn't like her, and you go no, you, you're supposed to love her, then I haven't
0: done my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's there's value in the reaction, yeah. even if the note isn't delivered in the best way. <laughs> um, all right, very but, quickly. But can I yeah. just say,
1: too, I do it. wish there was a more of a sense of mission, that that sense of not, you know, you have to change this because we don't like yeah. it, but going back to that collaboration... We all want this to be the best show mm-hmm. possible. so.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think we're getting there, you know, at least in in my limited experience, that executives I've worked with have been collaborative in the right ways. Yeah. You know, we're all trying to make the best thing. And very often they've been at this a lot longer or they have mandates that we don't Get know it. about or things like that. But uh, it's always an interesting relationship. Um I was going to ask... Uh, so you were on Charmed for a while. <laughs> it was. Uh, I was. I thought it was after Sabrina, but it was before Sabrina.
1: No, it was after. Okay. It was, was it what, because of Sabrina? No. Well, I switched from half hour to hour. Okay. And so Providence was the first hour-long show.
0: Nobody wants to talk about Providence. Stop talking about Providence. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never been on a show that got worse reviews and then was a bigger hit. Really? Yeah. That was. I remember
0: it being well-liked. It wasn't? It
1: was, I remember that. It, it, is a huge hit um yeah. tv critics that they're it's ridiculous actually <laughs> um because the whole idea is you're broadcasting so you're you're going to get people with different sensibilities yeah. so for one for one person with one sensibility to critique a show that you know i mean it's hard i worked on ncis
0: i can't believe you worked on ncis <laughs> i loved <laughs> ncis so
1: it's one of, that was one of my favorite shows. what was great about it I got really interested in learning how to write a mystery mm-hmm. because it's so different from comedy. Because mm-hmm. comedy is you're leading, you're leading, you're leading, you twist. In mystery, you plant mm-hmm. the the misleads early on, so you lead. You, you knowingly know you're leaning someone down the wrong path. Yeah, and it's it's a different mindset. That's interesting. Um, but that's that was a show. 20 million people would watch it, and it got no respect yeah. in Hollywood. It was funny, too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Michael- Wait a
0: minute. You worked with the Smothers Brothers. <laughs> okay. Was <wasn't>... NCIS funny? <laughs> Let me remind you. For an
1: hour long.
0: I, it has very good actors in it. They do a good job. Yeah. They keep it from being glum and boring. Right. You know, they're charismatic. Um, yeah, I've seen it. I have parents. You have? <laughs> <laughs> I've been at their house over the holidays or whatever. Um, how did you learn? Was that the show where you learned to write mysteries?
1: Yeah, the the uh, executive producer, the creator was Don Bellisario, mm-hmm. and
0: Who, is he he's still around? Right, like he's still working. I think so. Can we get him for this podcast? I don't
1: know. I just
0: want to talk about Quantum Leap.
1: Quantum Leap, Magnum PI. I mean, the you guys. Know a legend. I just want to
0: talk about Quantum Leap. <laughs> He really is a legend. All right. Anyway.
1: No, but he taught me so much, and he used to just say, you know, uh, he would growl like, "Who do I care about in this story?" And it can't be the dead guy. <laughs> that's a right. great
0: point. It's yeah,
1: a terrific point.
0: You watch any procedural, and that's the lesson. Yeah. Uh, for a successful one. Yeah. And no, that's really interesting. Um, all right, we got to wrap it up. We have lots more to talk Please. about. Please come back, William. <laughs> okay. Uh, what are you watching on TV right now? What, what is I getting watch? you excited? What is getting you inspired? What do you love? Uh,
1: I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm-hmm. That's the show I want to write on. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, what? Plug yourself uh, to potential Uh, right, uh
1: John Oliver they show. They all listen.
0: Isn't that great? Last it's, week tonight.
1: It's I I I can't think. Yeah, I just enjoy it so much, yeah. um, and. Oh, and then I, I like Nashville. I think that that's the There's most feminist show on TV today. Why? What? Why? Well, Kelly Curry. I mean, yeah. look, they did an episode that ended. I think it was the cliffhanger where Connie Britton's on stage, and there are three guys in the wings, looking at her, and each one wants her, <laughs> and they're each each is more. Adorable and gorgeous and charming than the next, and they're all lusting after Connie right. Britton who's from my hometown. So,
0: <laughs> where is that?
1: I'm uh, Massachusetts.
0: Where in Massachusetts?
1: Newton, right next to Jackson, Conan. Newton. Are you kidding? What the fuck? <laughs>
0: South, South or North?
1: South. Yeah. Of course. Eli Roth is another New yes, South person. Yes. I only just
0: found that out. He, he and I tweeted at each other. Oh. Uh, BJ Novak was uh, in my sister's class. Oh, John that's... Krasinski was in my sister's class. Yeah. That's crazy. something
1: funny in the water in Newton.
0: Yeah. Everyone who comes out of there can do stuff. Like... <laughs> I'm left behind. <laughs> I'm sitting here in a room with microphones and this Yahoo. <laughs>
1: Although uh, I will say, really I, I was I was talking with a high school friend recently, and I was
0: who's I, wildly famous, right?
1: Yeah, she kind <laughs> um, of, <no. laughs> and I, and she, I said, uh, what was I like in high school? And she said, N- I, she said you were funny. I said, I only remember being angry.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay, do you yes. relate? <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Uh, Nell, thank you so much for being thank here. This you. was a pleasure. Mm-hmm.
1: Mine. oh mine. Now leaving nerdist.com.
0: We need help. The Nerdist Writers panel uh, needs your help to stay free to download by completing a short anonymous survey. It'll take no more than five minutes, and your answers will help match our show with advertisers that best fit the sensibilities of our podcast and its listeners like you. Listeners who complete the survey will be entered in an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We promise not to share or sell your email address and we won't send you email unless you win. Please go to podsurvey.com/writers. That's podsurvey p o d slash v e y.com/writers to take our survey and get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Uh, I appreciate you helping me and Nerdist out with that.